Hey guys, Adam here from the Startup Diary. Harry's just tried to do the intro like three times and is just coughing his guts up. This is episode 158. If this is the first time you've listened to the show, the whole idea of the podcast is to share what it's really like to build a business. We're nearly five years in, did some seed funding, took some VC, and there's so many podcasts out there that talk about how good it is to build a business, and it's all rainbows and unicorns, and the idea of this is showing just what it's really like. Uh, through the highs and the lows, Harry, uh, you have... Adam. You've recovered? You okay? Just about, hopefully. Uh, we apologise for any sniffs and snivels. Yeah, there won't be uh, too many coughs and spluttering uh, on the show. Should we get into it? Yeah. Playing with the levels? Always. Twiddling the knobs. Okay, so today's episode. Um, one of the things that we spoke about that might be interesting for people that listen to the show is uh, we have a, a couple of questions about hiring and scaling and going a team. Um, and we're a team of nine now. And uh, through that process, people come and people go. But majority, uh, as we've built the company, is the people have come. We found a good culture fit and people have stuck with us. Um, but we we had a recent hire that didn't go to plan. Uh, and I know that you had some questions about this. Yeah, I mean, if you if you uh, just want to fill us in on the role or the position that you, were f- that you filled yep. to start with. Uh, so... Uh, in short, I looked for a sales role mm-hmm. with the idea of uh, first helping us scale the website package that we do at Expert Trades, yep. uh, and that wasn't to—that wasn't the definitive role. That was a six-week. The plan was that was going to be a six-week test uh, because the chap that we hired was overqualified to do that work. To be fair to him, um, judging from his CV and, uh, and and from the interview process, uh, but we wanted to understand. Uh, we can get into how we think about sales and how we think about traction, uh, but to to validate or to uh, help us understand if uh, telesales was an avenue that we could take for the website package. Um, but the, the overall, the role was uh, a sales executive that would help us bring more revenue into the team, um, that would help us scale other areas of the team. So uh, sell more stuff, bring more developers on board was the, the long and short of it, really. And how did you... What was your first impressions of him when he did his first two weeks? Because how long was he here for <laughs> in total? Yeah, so um, he was with us for, for three weeks. Um, so uh, firstly, I hired no, for the three, role. Three weeks doesn't sound very long. Three weeks doesn't sound long, but we'll, yeah, we'll explain sort of some of the things that went through a through mind around all that decision making. Um, but firstly uh went through the normal channels so uh indeed monster uh working startups all the places that you can go to post some jobs up mm-hmm. the, f- the first problem that i really ran into um was uh with sales so with, with like a developer uh there's a certain skill set uh like uh you've, you've gone to uni or you're self-taught but you know a certain skill set and that skill set can be very easily um qualified so uh, like I can sit Mark in a room with a developer and Mark can walk out in 15 minutes and say if they're good, indifferent, or absolutely shit. That's just because they can. there's, there's something substantial to track. Everyone thinks they can do sales. Um, so one of the biggest problems that I had originally was uh, when we put the job postings up, is just inundated with people that wanted to, to do a sales role. Yeah. Um, that in turn has its own problems. I don't know if you want to dig into that in terms of how no, you weed, how I you just, weed I people just know, out. Um like you say, because for example, role job role developer um, requires education, track record, uh, and there's a, a definitive result. Yep. Like I programmed this or I built this. Mm-hmm. Whereas sales is a, a wishy washy. It's a 
it's like art <laughs> where yeah it's, and it's it, subjective in, in a sense that it's like it's, sales is essentially the power of persuasion and, but and the, building yeah. relationships and things like that it's hard to say even even a good salesman that it's not you can't say he's good because of x y and z and that's the that's like 90 out of 100 percent of what people are yeah, you can't associate like uh, hard metrics to it. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of things to bear in mind is if you're hiring a salesperson, the best a salesperson is ever going to be is in the interview because the best thing they can ever sell is himself. <laughs> um, and I'm fully aware of that. Uh, but a salesperson will always, and the thing is that I just want to drive home, and I'm not sure how long and short this episode is going to be, but a salesperson will always be judged based off one simple thing. Like with a developer, uh, you do have a tangible result that is the output. Mm. Um, but on the flip side of it is uh, they they that output still might not be what you wanted. Uh, but that comes down to how you manage a developer. So there's there's loads of gray areas around certain roles in the company, and a lot of them fall back on the founder or CEO to get the best out of someone. Um, but with a salesperson that has a track record of uh, self-proclaimed being extremely good at sales, is at the end of the day, if they bring in revenue, they're good. If they don't bring in revenue, they're bad. It's binary. But it's binary. But there is also uh, the thing that I want to cover off in the show is uh, even not bringing in revenue or bringing in revenue still has downside because they can they can be selling the wrong thing to the wrong client or saying or damaging the business on the phone is what we experienced. Um, so we brought this chap in um, and first impressions with the in the interview is one he was late uh, and I think I mentioned this to you. Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to say how did you qualify him um, to be worthy of the job? Uh. So it's a really good it's a really good question and this is. This is the the thing that he actually impressed me with. Uh, is we were we were going through a stage where we're hiring for a com- couple of different roles and we've got lots on at the company. And uh, when I put the sales job up, I got inundated with things like everyone. And then this one name kept appearing, um, and he ended up being on the phone with Allison and Sarah. He ended up being in my inbox, which automatically got archived. Because um, I, I just sort of got so busy with it, I just thought, okay, I'll pause this for a second and I'll revi- re- revisit it in a week or two when I've got some time. And then all of a sudden, Alison's calling me up. Then his name appears in a Slack <laughs> channel. Then his CV appears in my inbox again from Sarah. And the thing is, what you're looking for with a salesperson is they need to get to a decision maker. They need to get to that person who, uh, like me, he needed to get to me mm. and get in front of me. And fair, fair play to the guy, uh, and all credit due, is he got in front of me because of how relentless he was to do that. And when you are looking for a sales guy, that is the exact sort of attitude mm. that you want to hire for. Um, so at that point, uh, I just I got sick to death of seeing his name um, in and around every bit of work that I do day to day. I thought actually this guy's obviously got some chops because he is relentless and he can get in front of a decision maker. So that got him in the room for an interview. Uh, oh, sorry, telephone interview. Uh, sounded good on the phone. Uh, as I said, salespeople are always good at, in that environment when they're talking about themselves. Uh, the reason and the key thing is is uh, one thing to always be aware of is if you're hiring a salesperson, most salespeople are not up for hire because a good salesperson mm. is uh, a high achiever and are doing well at their existing role. Um, so I always bear that in mind and I'm always keen to dig into the reasons that they're either looking for work or out of work um, what was was there anything particular any particular reason why he was looking for work yeah so redundancy um, so yeah, the company had basically relocated from Birmingham to Manchester and for me that ticked the box it wasn't anything down to performance and you do a background check and the company had moved um, so that sort of ticked the box for me because I will always be scared hiring a salesperson that's out of work because like a salesman that can't put food on the table is fucking useless to me to be honest um, <laughs> like he needs to be going he needs to be able to provide uh, 
and a salesman, like the best thing that they'll ever do is make sure they can always provide themselves. They'll always get themselves into a job. They will never be out of work. Yeah. And that's the thing that I've experienced. And don't forget my background in sales. Like the one role. You from, know you know the score. I know the score, exactly. Like the one role that I feel extremely confident in being able to manage uh, and get, get results from is sales. Um, so I sort of knew exactly what I was looking for. Um, so that's how we got through the door. Um, I mean... So he's through the door, he's impressed you over the phone, um, he was late for the interview, fair enough, obviously you still uh, <laughs> add something about him to uh, get in the office. When did you, what were the signs or what was the feeling or the vibe you were getting that was like, mm, this isn't working or? Yeah, so the, the, the first thing is for me, it's uh, it's culture fit. Um, so we have a very... We have a very interesting dynamic. One is a team, but how we interact with with our customers and clients. Mm. Uh, And the way we differentiate them is, uh, so a a trades professional buying one of our services is a customer of ours, uh, and a a business uh, doing partnerships and campaigns with us is a client. We just use that for just uh, easier ways to differentiate when we're doing work in the team. Um, But we... How we interact with our community is is everything to us, uh, and, and we've pulled through all of our work and uh, all the customers from the trade world, uh, the people that buy the websites in the office. Uh, we win from referrals, and we've done that by just doing good work. Um, and to, to be honest, Matthew Ford, all the credit is there because he's the one that has um, delivered a fantastic customer service. That means we get referral work. So when I looked at the website package. Matthew basically came to me, and this is the root of why we needed to see if uh, the first test, if that scales, is uh, Matt said, uh, I need another person in the team uh, because we're at a point now, and I told him eight, ten months ago, I says, when you get to a point that you can't offer the same level of service, you need to speak up uh, and let me know because the one thing we can't have fall is that level of service because that's that's how we've won our work. So Matt said, I need someone. So I was like, okay. So we sat down and we looked at the financials for the website package. Um, and uh, we keep it extremely competitive. Like uh, there's not much margin in it. Uh, so I says, okay, so what we need to do is work out how we scale the sales up. So if someone new comes in, we need to make sure that we have a repeatable process that allows us to make sure that we are bringing in 10 to 15 new websites a month. So there's a book called Traction, which I really like, which has like 20 or 21 different ways to generate sales and one of the ways uh, is outbound calling so i thought okay uh, i need someone to help me from my sales side of things and we can get into that i said but i just want to test this outbound calling side of things um so the first the first thing that uh, i tasked our new sales guy to do was basically cold call trade professionals and see uh, if they're interested in learning not sell over the phone introduce the company explain who we are what we do and ask to send some information because the last thing that i wanted to do was be another caller <clears throat> trying to hard sell in a 30 minute phone call down the phone because mm. I know these guys are busy um, what was the question? <laughs> when did you when, <coughs> I got a lot of confidence blurring uh, when did you see it ah, yeah, going sorry. yeah I was going uh, somewhere with my uh, my ramble uh, so the, the, fir- the first point uh, is so you bring a sales guy on and you, you do the introduction to the team you explain what people do and then you sort of set out the ground rules for the company uh, and you'd be very very explicit with the sales guy because at the end of the day they are based off commission and they will do whatever they need to do to get a deal simple and you want that in a sales guy but you also don't want them taking the piss and forgetting about the ground rules that you literally print and put on a piece of paper in front of them and the the goal is is you on that first phone call I did not want a sales call taking place. I know that sounds backwards. 
But I wanted yeah. an introduction to the company because these guys that we deal with, we know that they're extremely busy. And they're, they're already receiving... Too many calls. All these calls several yeah. times a day anyway. And the last thing that I wanted to do was position Expert Trades as another company calling and yeah. pissing me off. Um, so I said, listen, these guys are busy. What your job is, is here's 500 calls, okay? Cold calls to make. Uh, here's 500 people uh, that are not in our community, have no idea who we are. Because there is a line of logic to say, actually, he should be calling people within our community because they already know us. Mm. <clears throat> but the truth is, is those people will already buy from us in 8, 10, 15 months' time. They know about us. We're building up a relationship. And when the time is right and they want a new website or they want to help with their admin, they'll use us. Simple as that. So I gave them a list of 500 people. I said, your goal is very simply to introduce the company and ask if you can send some information across. And if it is of interest, get a reply and do a follow-up call. The first point that I thought, actually, this isn't... uh, He's not sticking to the rules. Simple as that. Uh, Are you able to share what the rules were, or little, just little basic things like don't try and close a close a sale on the first call. Uh, so you, you, mean, it, so you were just trying wrong. to rein him in from the hard sell from the first call. Yeah, what, what I was what? trying to do is very simply is uh, and explain to him that his KPIs are not his commission for that first week was not about closing deals. Mm. His commission was uh, what I call permission based selling. So I said to him. Uh, what I need you to do is get permission to send information and everyone that says, yes, I'm interested, send me. Then he got paid a commission off that. So he doesn't even have to close a deal. And that was my way to incentivize a sales guy. He's used to saying, I need to bring in revenue to get some money. But I wanted to incentivize him to do a much softer approach uh, and be more respectful on the phone. But, and don't get me wrong, if someone says, actually, I'm really in the, I really need a website. Can I speak to one? I told him, yes, fine but he has no experience of our website package. Mm. Then he puts them on to Matthew Ford. Matthew Ford is ready for any leads that come in. Uh, the first thing that, uh, the first indication that that went wrong is one, uh, I I heard some of the phone calls and then I saw him sending emails and on that phone call, he had not got permission. Simple as that. Like he was still sending emails to people that had not given permission to contact him and do the follow-up. Secondly, uh, just a hard sell. It's, uh, no, I'm not interested. And then it was <clears throat> like, uh, you should be interested. Do you know how important the internet is? And like, wow, like these okay. these people, <laughs> like uh, being a salesman, yes, completely understand that sometimes you're going to get people that say, uh, no, not now, not interested, no budget. And there's ways to overcome that. But that wasn't the goal that I'd set him out to do. Um, but then trying to explain to people the importance of the internet and why they are wrong is not the business that we're in as expert trades. Like, I don't want expert trades being positioned in that way in the slightest. And you're not going to persuade someone to change their mind by telling them what they believe in. It's 100%. not the right thing to believe in in the first place. So Yeah, and so that was that was my first indicator. Um, and at the end of the day, and there's loads of industries out there, but tradespeople uh, are like some of the most strong-minded people that I've ever yeah, met in my life. Definitely. Uh, like if they have, even like it doesn't matter if they say the sky is red and they want to convince you the sky is red, they will just stick to, they will put their heels in and they will, they will dig in and push that through. Um, they won't take any shit. And that's what I love about this industry is you get very fast feedback. If you do something very yeah. well, they let you know. If you do something very shit, they let you know. So then I had to wind him back in and explain that to him. Um, and then the next day or two, uh, much better. And then he slipped into uh, old mistakes. <clears throat> so I thought, okay, can't have that. Pull them aside. And at that point, uh, you have to just have a very frank conversation, which is, uh, here's the ground rules. Uh, you're breaking the rules. We can't have you breaking the rules. Um, 
but from the website package side of things is uh, I actually drew a line under that when I got a phone call I think I mentioned it on a previous show is I'm literally yeah. on the phone and someone says to me uh, oh do you guys do websites I went yes uh, he went well uh, I just got recommended you guys uh, after I was moaning about uh, another seven phone calls someone trying to sell me websites uh, and I was moaning to one of my mates and he said speak to expert trades they do websites uh, so it just kind of like penny dropped like I've got a guy opposite me trying to do uh, an introduction cold call and I was like we just need to double down on our referral work and do our content yeah I mean as we said <clears throat> excuse me as we said on a previous episode um, you've got to try it to see if it works or not yep um, And like, but we're just barking up the wrong avenue basically mm-hmm. um, and like you say that guy, the guy that came to us we just need to make, make we need to put that effort so instead of instead of having a sales guy maybe still have the guy but focus his efforts more on just kind of marketing and getting in front of people like an awareness campaign essentially yep. just letting people know that look if you need a site like like what he was trying to do the with, task, with that the was call, the task that was the original task their phone's ringing all the time all the time but we needed to so, validate it we needed yeah. to see if that was something that scales um so we, we drew a line under that and then one of the things we do as a business is uh, we do partnerships, but we also do campaigns. And there are actually a very small number of companies. And you're looking at four or 500 companies in our industry that are potential people that we will work with in the long run. Mm-hmm. And we have, when we have a partnership, that probably gets rid of 20 of those at a time because we work exclusively with certain brands. Um, and what I wanted to do, uh, I've got a media kit, sales packs, and case studies. I wanted to basically get on the radar a very marketing director, a marketing assistant in the country. Uh, so the very, very simple task that I had was uh, do research. Uh, and then from there, find the relevant contacts, get them on the phone, get their email, and get our media kit into their inbox. Simple as that. Uh, and again, uh, rules were broken. And the thing that I want to get to more than anything for people listening to the podcast is I've got a really, really simple rule which is hire slow and fire fast because the amount of damage that someone in your team can do uh, and the second that you know that you've made a mistake and you've hired someone that is not a good fit, the the worst thing that you can do at that point is try and say, no, 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 like uh, they will get better. You can't make a C player into an A player. Simple as that. A C player is always a C player. So take the time to hire really slowly. Mm. I, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, hire slowly. Um, if you look at like all the positions that we've hired for, like it took me six months to hire Edie. Uh, but I would have known in the first two weeks if Edie was not a good fit. And don't get me wrong, like you have to put all the energy and effort into making someone successful. But making them successful in their day-to-day role through training and industry knowledge and all that good stuff is one thing. But as soon as you think in your head this person is a bad, either a bad culture fit, a little bit poisonous for the team, or is a C player, and you thought you hired an A player because you've only been exposed to this person for like two interviews, a telephone interview, and a day, like that's not enough time to make a judgment mm. on someone really. Once they've been in the team for a week, two, three weeks, you can have a really good feeling about where this person is. And the worst thing you can do for your team and the whole company is think they'll get better, they'll settle in. Because it would have resulted in me spending too much of my time feeling I need to be in the office to listen to the calls, to rein him back in. Um, And also, 
like I'm just a big big believer and once you've got that that gut feeling like you just know this person's not right so many people sit on that and let them stay with the company for three or six months and just, the amount just feeling ill yeah just the amount of people that the amount of damage that that person can cause for your for your team morale uh, culture and then with your clients saying the wrong thing to one of our clients considering how small of a network our industry yeah. is could fuck us like literally <laughs> so, so on that then how do you go about once you've got that gut feeling um, bearing down on your soul mm-hmm. how do you uh, give them the chop <laughs> like that so uh, as soon as you got that gut feeling what you have to do uh, so b- before that what I'd done and I'd already ticked the box for myself is I'd pulled this chap aside and explained what my concerns were did that after week one did it again after week two Uh so you be you were being proactive there. You wanted, very, you wanted to get on top of it, ahead of it, <coughs> make sure he's um, yeah. I didn't optimizing. Like the last thing I wanted is him coming in and like having no him thinking he's doing extremely well. Yeah, and me be like, I'm not happy. Like I stayed on yeah. top of that and gave him fast feedback every couple of days about where we were. Some some days we we, we emailed and chatted uh, and then went out for a coffee like twice in a day. Uh, I needed to make sure that he knew where I was in terms of uh, mindset. But as soon as you know. You just have to take action on it. Like you just have to, like the, the thing that I did that I'm really, without being self-congratulated, I'm really happy that I did. Is I took a step back and worked out the exact reasons why he was not a good fit, and I wrote them down. Because what happens is when you walk into a conversation to let someone go, and I can't remember what where I heard this advice from, is start the conversation with. Uh, it's not good news. Sadly, you're not a good fit for the team, and I've got to let you go. Yeah, I heard that. Like the, I think we were listening to something together, but like I t- really took that to heart because what you don't want to do is have like a long preamble and then drop the anchor at the end because they might say something in that conversation they get, they that sways the, you. They get the opportunity to start defending the corner, and defend because, the corner, and a sales got, guy's going to be the best in the world at that because you've not delivered that you're about to get let go. Yep, line they can still <laughs> turn the conversation around. Exactly. But what I did before I went into that conversation is I basically wanted to work out the exact reasons. Um, because like your head will trick you and think, uh, he's not bringing in the results that I want or he won't bring in the results that I need for at least a couple of months. And that's where my head went to originally. It's like, he's going to just be a cost to the business. And he might end up not breaking the rules and bits like that eventually, but it's going to take him three or four months uh, to get up to speed. So then all of a sudden, I I sort of slipped into this mindset that it was a financial thing. But then I had to take a step back and write it down. And I'm very, very glad that I did because when I I had the conversation with him, I think this is Matthew Ford. We're here, Fordy. Cool. With you in five minutes, Fordy. We're just wrapping up. Um, But I basically explained to him um, that it wasn't a fit. And then he offered to do commission-only sales. Wow. Uh, so then as a foundy, like, holy crap, like I can get a guy in here that's just going to be results-based and I don't have to pay for him if he's not delivering. But then you look, then you think about what you wrote down on that piece of paper is that was not the reason. It was not a financial decision is the reason that you decided to let this person go. And being extremely honest with yourself and working out why you want to let someone go is crucial because I think nine out of ten times, if I hadn't have done that, I would have said, all right, bud, come in Monday. Let's do commission only. Let's see if you can get some results because I've got I've got someone in the team that I just have to pay based on results, which is perfect for an early stage company. But that wasn't the reason. Yeah, so re- and and with that, you can end up um, justifying. It's like, well, it's not. It might not be doing a good job, but it's not costing me any money. So the the damage to cost ratio is just 
off. Exactly. Uh, but then you think the actual da- the actual damage is around the the grayer area. It's mm. uh, team dynamic culture, uh, saying the wrong things to clients and bits like that. Um, so yeah, uh, that sort of wraps up that position. And I think people that are listening are thinking, why the hell did you hire a salesperson in the first place if that's what you specialize in? Like that's where my that's where my playing to your strength sort of thing. That's yeah, what yeah. I do. Um, and it's a really good point. And when I sat back and sort of reflected on this, it's because I hadn't had the time to do what I'm good at, which is sales, uh, because I was doing other stuff. So then I realized the challenge wasn't trying to find a great salesperson because I'm going to try and find someone. Like this is trying to find yourself, Adam. I'm, just I'm admit gonna, it. I'm going to like ego kicks in. Like, I ain't going to find someone that's as good as me, good as me at sales, or because I've got a combination of one knowing the industry and being good at sales, which in this space you can't beat. And I'm not talking about trade sales with our, with our members. Like we've, we're just going to do that through content and referrals and just keep doing good mm-hmm. work. I'm talking about like the clients that we see uh, around us on these on these bloody posters and bits. Is like I know that world extremely well. So rather than trying to find like a mini me, like because I ain't going to find them, is make it finding more time in my calendar to go and do the sales. And the only way I do that really is by giving more responsibility to the team. So we're now at this point now where we're trying to level up the team, the team skill set. Uh, bring people in underneath them to support them, which in theory should free up my time to allow me to mm-hmm. place my strengths and then do more sales. Uh, so over the space of four weeks, a big learning curve for me. Uh, it was a mistake. Um, looking back, there's there's things that I would have changed. Um, and trying to understand why you're trying to fill that position in the first place is probably the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, for for anyone that's possibly thinking i know dan was um talked about advocates <clears throat> selling his product um but for anyone that's looking at potentially hiring a sales role or mm-hmm. looking do i need a sales guy or not what's kind of your your pearls of wisdom to so guide them through if so firstly if you are the sales guy and you are trying to find someone to do sales because you're too busy then just free up your time. And that's where my head's at now for me. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that I've got the time to go and do more sales. Uh, if you're not the sales guy, it's yeah, it's gonna be, to be honest, it's really, really tough because it's it's the one role that I'm really comfortable managing and hiring for. More than anything, it depends on the stage you are at a company. Um, if you are very early stage uh, and you are like pre-product, pre-market, then you probably want to be looking for a co-founder, to be honest. Like uh, the team dynamic that you, you're normally looking for is like a two or three founding team, like a developer, like someone that's good at operations and a sales guy, sales and marketing. And if you're at the stage now where you're a developer with a cool product, uh, you haven't built it yet, but you've got an idea, I would start looking for that person and uh, and really get them invested. Because if you can find a sales guy or a marketing guy that loves the idea at that stage and is prepared to commit, yeah. They're going to be more invested than any sales guy you hire in the future. Yeah, I was I was going to say the exact same thing. Like if, even if you don't know how to distinguish a good sales guy from a bad one, is if you can just find someone that's just as passionate as you are about the product, but clearly has a a, a way about them that they're they're better at speaking to people that they don't know and things like that. Like that's at least on a surface level that if they're better than me yep. at speaking to someone about my product, then they're going to it's a, it's a good start exactly if you if you can meet a guy and then after you speaking to him an hour about the product someone walks over and he can explain what yeah. your idea is better than you then he's probably a good fit and more than anything at that point you're looking for someone that's like highly motivated and like more mission focused like likes yeah. the idea if you're at that interesting stage where you sort of you've got a product you've probably got a small team but you are trying to scale up sales um 
big, big believer. Uh, and it's the thing that I didn't do when it came to website sales for our team is do the sales yourself first. If you think about it, I could have I could have literally blocked off three days in my calendar. And this is where the mistake comes into play. I could have blocked off three days in my calendar and made 360 calls and got to the same result and gone, nope, this is not working. But I didn't because I, I was, and I'm using air quotes, I was too busy yeah. because I had other stuff to deal with. But I could have done that test myself. So that would have uh, eradicated that question over telesales for the website package. And then you look at the partner sales and uh, like I needed, you need to develop the system yourself and prove out because the sales guy, the real, the key thing to bring into this conversation is a sales guy is not a, a magic bullet. They all come in and a good sales guy uh, needs a process, needs a product and needs something to follow. Like he needs to be, be able to say, here's the product, here's the value prop, here's the market, go. And we, as a as a stage we're at, especially with the, like the, the areas that we sell partners and clients on, is it's more of a understand the company, get into a meeting, uh, spend two hours with them, understand the business. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a product that you basically can explain mm. over the phone and get a sale. If you can't package something up and hand over to a sales guy that you're bringing into the team, you're not at a point to bring a sales guy in. That's the mistake that I made, uh, and I ain't gonna make it again. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just gonna free up my time. Um, but if you're if you are at a position now where you have a sustainable product and you know how you're selling it, you have a repeatable sales process that you, the founder, or you, the founding team, are executing on, uh, then it's a simple case of hire uh, very slowly, uh, bring people in, bring them in in twos as well. So uh, the reason I didn't bring two sales guys in is because I am a sales guy. I was sat next to him, so we were our own little team because I did more. I did phone calls and bits uh, with this yeah. chap. Uh, but bring them in in twos because sales guys are competitive. Guys and gals, you know what I'm saying? Um... Uh, bring them in twos uh, and then hire them slowly and fire them extremely fast as soon as you know they're not a good fit. Because at the end of the day, you're doing them a favor. Yeah. Like you have to understand that they probably have opportunity. If they're good, they will have opportunities to do other things. Uh, yeah, and, it, and it might not be it might not be them. It might be the, the business or the industry that they're the in. The business, the team, the product, the culture, whatever. And I think we're just... Stuff but, you can't guess yeah. before they come in. Um, so yeah, that's sort of my, my advice of, of where we're at with hiring someone cool um, and on that note how do they get in touch with us Adam email you so yeah. if you've got any questions for the show uh, email Harrison it's harrison at experttrades.com two t's in the middle one s at the end uh, always keen to get some listener questions I think we've got four or five in the bank um, that we're going to work through uh, we are getting to them on that note if you have made it through this far in the podcast we'd hugely appreciate you going over to iTunes and leaving us a five star review um, any comments would be great you're smiling no, no less than five uh, no if, if, put it this way if you made it this far through this episode it's uh, a five it's a five you're enjoying it uh, create so a go- second account and give us another five <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that tickled me. Um, but yeah, the, the only reason we care about the reviews, guys, is it means that we rank higher in iTunes. More mm-hmm. people find the show, uh, and we like to see the download numbers going up. That's the only reason we do this show. And we can share the love and help more people out. Exactly, get in front of more people. And then we're on Instagram, Harry. Startup podcast. I'm starting to get back into the Instagram game. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's funny I'm, though because you, you're trying to get back into it, and yet you can never remember the name of it. I don't. I don't why should I remember it? Because it's on the top of the screen. But I, anyway. <laughs> uh, cool. Is it that? Yeah.
I don't like that we share the car when you're ill. No, I no. feel like it's a petri dish of. Uh... <laughs> you definitely get ill, but you don't get ill. You don't get ill, ill. <clears throat> no, I get like surface level ill. What's that mean? Like I've I had a sore throat building up Thursday, Friday. Woke up Saturday morning. I've got something. I've got something no, there that you can spray. No, no. <laughs> so I had no sore throat over the weekend. It just was like congested. Um. Anyway, are, are you on the recovery now? I'm on, I'm, yeah, I'm on the way out, mate. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like my family's been ill for like three weeks. Like the wife and the boys are just like <laughs> the phrase "prevention is better than the cure." I don't have time for that shit. But you have all the time in the world <clears throat> to try and cure it. I've got all the drugs in the world to try and I cure it. I recommend healthy... <clears throat> what episode is this? 158. Wow. 158. One-